Welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. Today's guest, we have a good one today. He is a former member of the Temptations and the Drifters. If you know any of that music, I'll try to sing something for you. Under the boardwalk, out by the sea. Well, you get what I'm saying. So anyway, without further ado, let me introduce to you who could do it 10 times better than I just did, Mr. Terry King. All right, welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. We have lots to talk about. I got something going. I got something cooking here. This is the big leagues. It's New York. I said I was in the worst neighborhood, man. I said I had a near-death experience. Crazy Robert. If you've been through what I've been through in the past month, you'd be, you'd be crazy too. All right, Mr. Terry King. What's up, Joe? <laughs> How you doing, baby? I'm doing all right. I, first of all, I gotta tell you, I love that outfit. Well, all thank white, you. those glasses. Well, you know, it. You know, is that I, part of your thing? This is yeah. This is me, man. This is how I live. You know, uh, it, you know, it's casual for me. This is just something I do every day. You know, jeans. Sometimes, you know what I mean? I just want to be comfortable. Do you, know? you do you ever go out, say you have to go to Target or Home Depot or whatever it is that you're going to do grocery shopping, where you huh. go out in, in sweatpants and T-shirt, or you always have to look, look I good? I always got to look. Well, it's usually jeans. I still, everybody always, when they see me, and I'm, I'm either going shopping, whatever the case may be, my jeans always have a crease in them. And the first thing I get is that's an OG. That's an OG thing yeah, to have a well, crease yeah, in your oh, jeans. Yeah, yeah I'm, you know, I'm I'm from the old school, so the the crease. But I have it front and back, and it's permanent. What kind of jeans? What's the name brand? Oh, I don't know, man. You don't it's, have a do you do you have a lot of jeans? Yeah, and I don't know the name of none of them. <laughs> but, uh, but what I'm trying to say is, is like for me, I probably have like three pairs of jeans, and I think I wear one of them. Right, I don't. I don't know why. I don't. I'm not a jeans jeans person. But even when I do wear the jeans, I have a favorite, and that's the one I usually like to go to. Well, my usually I would say you know, uh, you know, like stuff made in the USA, uh, Wrangler, uh, you know, Lee, Lee, you know, what I'm Levi's, saying? yeah, you know, like that, you know. And then sometimes, you know, even those brands. I remember one day I went shopping for some jeans and when I bought them and I took them home they you know I saw the uh, the waist size the length and everything was perfect right but there was one thing that I forgot to look at they have these new things called skinny jeans oh god okay and when I got home and I put them on they were all the way down below my hip and I'm like wait a minute What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's crazy, too, is because we went through a cycle where people were wearing baggy jeans. They were falling off people's yeah, you know, know, rear know. ends. And, and now I, I can't believe how guys go into these skinny jeans and right. think that it's comfortable. Well, I, I, I don't understand, even, you know, even the baggy jeans or the skinny jeans or whatever jeans they are making now. Uh, to me now, some of the stuff that they're doing, even with the young men with the suits, and uh, they got they wear no socks. They have 
the jeans like around their ankle. You know, it's like. But we used to call them back in the day. What? You got the flood is over, baby. The flood is over. You got those high waters on. You better go do something. Your mama you know, needs to buy your pair of jeans. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, you better go back to the grocery store or something. You must know. be broke. I'm telling you. You know. But see what my grandmother used to say was, you know, uh, especially when you go to buy something, if you got to ask how much something costs, you can't afford it. That's true. It's a good point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I've lived with that all my life. You know what I mean? So if I see something, I like it, I'm going to buy it. Yeah, too bad my girlfriend doesn't do that kind of, uh, you know, and every person, every, you know, my daughter the same way. Yeah, my daughters, they, you know, they go out uh, and they buy things, you know, and they don't think about the cost, you know what I'm saying? But, hey, this is what I want, and this is the way I raised them too. So it's like, uh, uh, uh they, daddy is like he likes this stuff and a lot of times they buy things for me you know and it's uh, a crazy you know like they buy the Gucci brand or they uh, buy uh, uh, what else or, or it has to match you know what I mean but they know I like to match so they when they go and buy things for me they make sure that it's I don't like anybody buying me clothes I like to buy my own stuff because I don't, you know, I have a very limited repertoire okay. of what I like and how I'm comfortable. Okay. So okay. you don't mind though people buying you things like, and you, you know, what happens if it doesn't work out? Like, what happens if it's not fitting right or it's not comfortable? Do you tell them, hey, listen, well, this know, was no good? You know, go and uh, take it back, trade it in, whatever it doesn't <laughs> fit. You know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? But uh, usually, nine out of ten times, uh, when I go shopping. And ready-made clothes. Uh, usually, sometimes I'll try them on, um, and nine out of ten times, if funny part about it is, if I don't try it on and I get it home, uh, and I know years ago my daughters used to just take my stuff, so I never really had to take stuff back. You know, it was like, oh. It's Just, gone. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. They go in my closet, and I see them going to school. They got my shirt, my good shirts on. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there was one period where it was, like, plaid, and I used to have all these plaid shirts or designer shirts or whatever. And I see my youngest daughter, Natima, uh, she'd have my shirts on going to school. But she loved the style, you know, that I've wore. You know, so and for them, the kids, that was that was what was happening for them. You know what I mean? Are you a type of guy that if you get a gift, right, you don't like it? So you, you know, somebody gives you a gift, you don't really say it right away or anything like, "Hey, I don't like this gift." But are you the type of guy that maybe you would re-gift it and give it to somebody else? No. No, no, I, you don't do that I at don't all. Do that. I've don't done do that, that a couple of times. I, no, I don't do that. I've done you know, that a couple of you, times. Usually, and it's funny, but when people buy me gifts, uh, I usually like it. You know what I mean? And some things I may not wear for a year. You know what I mean? But I still got it in my closet, and at some point, I'm going to wear it. And I understand what you're and saying. It's going to match with something that something I want. that you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about you? And and when you go out to eat what's your what's your thing you said before the show started because you saw we had a couple of we have some vodka over there we have some bourbon and you're yeah, like no no yeah. no I don't, I don't drink I don't drink no, is no. that something that you've never you always 
Is that a rule that you've always adhered to, or did you all of a sudden at one point in your life say, I'm not drinking anymore? Well, uh, funny you say that, because uh, years ago, you know, I, I did own a bar, and I, uh, at one point in my life, I did drink, but I wasn't a drinker drinker. Uh, if I drank uh, a bottle of beer, it would be like very little, and if I drank it, I'd be on the floor. There was one time, a <laughs> true story, I must have been around oh, 14, 15 years old, and all my friends, we were going, you know, hang out, go to a party. So we're going to this party, and the guy says, man, it's going to be a smoke party. Well, I'm naive, and all my friends were older than me. So they were like 18, 19, 20, 25, you know. So we walking down the street, and I said, wait, I got to go to the store. They said, go to the store to get what? I said, I got to get a pack of Viceroy. He said, you're going to the smoke party, right? I got to get some cigarettes. So they looked at each other. And <laughs> they that kind of smoke. <laughs> so we get to this place. And we walk in, and all this smoke is in front of me, man. And I got a contact. Oh, you got a contact high. Unbelievable, man. Next thing I knew, they had food all on the table and everything. I got the munchies, and I went to work. Yo, <laughs> you know? tell, tell me about food. Tell me about, let's get to know you a little bit here. What, food? Well, where, what's your favorite food? If you could, you know... You got maybe, doctor says, hey, listen, you got a week left. Enjoy yourself. Eat whatever you want. It's over after a week. Well, my thing is, you know, when they say, do you like seafood? Yeah, I, I seafood and I eat it. <laughs> <laughs> What's your, I love seafood, too, but yeah. I have I have levels of what I like the most. What is your favorite seafood? Uh, salmon uh, is tops. Uh, red snapper. Uh, occasionally, I like lobster. I love little neck clams. Best. Bait clams? Uh, bait clams I love. Yes. But I, I love fresh uh, seafood. Yeah, raw, right out of the yeah, ocean. Right, right out the ocean. Put it under the sink, uh, sushi, water it down. Uh, you name it. You know what I'm saying? I'm usually, I don't, you know, uh, octopus. I mean, any, you know, uh, uh, octopus salad. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I just love seafood man. I know I do too you know what I mean and and it's uh, I, th I think I grew up because my grandmother was you know like when you put something she put something in front of you you know you're gonna eat it you know what I mean and it's like because uh, there were children in the world starving you know what I'm saying so enjoy you know what I mean? That type of, you know. Yeah, thing. you better and you better you eat know. it. Oh, you better. And eat you're not it. getting up you're, until you do. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, and uh, and it, it, uh, uh you didn't eat it, it may be there in the morning when you get, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for you, your we breakfast. Call it, yeah, we call it breakfast <laughs> at nine a.m. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But no, my grandmother wasn't like that. What's your breakfast? What's your go-to breakfast? My meal? okay, so uh, boiled eggs. Boiled uh, eggs. Yeah, boiled eggs. Out of every breakfast that could possibly, any food that you could possibly want. Boiled eggs uh, uh, with the whole wheat toast uh, and uh, usually a cup of coffee. 
How do you like your coffee? Uh, light and sweet. <laughs> Just like me. No, I ain't light though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, no, I like, you know, uh, and usually, and, and I might have a banana and cut up apples and stuff like that. And sometimes I'll go through, <coughs> now it's like I go through half my breakfast. And uh, at some point, uh, later on in the day, uh, if I'm busy, I won't really eat too much. And then come dinner time, if I eat at four o'clock, I'm not going to have nothing else after that. You know what I mean? Or, I understand what you're saying. Uh, unless it's peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with a tall glass of cold milk. Uh, chocolate milk. Well, no, mine is just you 2%. Just like 2%. It is nothing better, in my opinion. It's a little bit of a competition thing, but. Grilled cheese or peanut butter and jelly, but peanut butter and jelly for me is my ultimate that's, favorite. That's it. From a kid, always. Yes. I would. I can eat a whole dinner and turn around and get four peanut butter and jelly sandwiches sitting in front of the TV. I, I know all about it. You know what I'm saying? And that was it. But back then, it was Wonder Bread. You know I, what I mean? <laughs> I, I used to make myself, so when I was going to college, I used to make myself, I knew I was going to be there for a long day. I would make two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in my lunchbox and whatever it was. You know, I was trying to save money. I was broke. Okay, okay. I would eat both of those peanut butter and jellies sitting in the traffic on the LIE. Because I couldn't wait. I, could, okay. I loved it. How can okay. I say that? I got two peanut butter and jelly sitting there. I couldn't right, wait until right. lunchtime. And I would right. eat them before I even get to school. That's how much I loved them. Funny thing about me, okay, so as a kid, I would have that peanut butter and jelly sandwich, hands down, every evening, okay? Uh, as I got older, again, my I'd have to, after a meal, it could be two hours later, it could be three hours later, but I got to have that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> I'd say why. And that's it, man. You know I what know, I mean? And, I know. And I'll still, <clears throat> I, I can stay up. My other thing that I love is, especially now, is popcorn. No, I You're well, a popcorn guy? No, let me tell you something. All right, all right, all I, right. I, I was looking for something that wasn't, you know, um, bad for me. You know what I mean? It, almost anything you eat now is bad for you. But, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you're, you're 100% right. You know what I mean? So, uh, in fact, my daughter uh, introduced me to this uh, app called Yucca Y-U-K-A Y-U-K-A? Yeah and you <laughs> when you go grocery shopping you Maybe uh, Eric will pull it up Eric can you pull that up? Yeah and you put it on the label or on the uh, back the barcode or whatever it is and that little uh, what do they call it uh, the quarter thing or whatever they call it thing The uh, The app? The what? Well, you take the app and you take your phone and you put it. Oh, the QR code. Yeah, Q, there it is. Yeah, yeah. And you put it on there, and it'll tell you how uh, the score, like on how healthy it is. And how, yeah, it'll oh, tell I like you that. If it's, if it's, yucca. Yeah, it's called yucca. Hmm. And it looks like a carrot on the app, but it, uh, it's it's good. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, that's it. So you take that and you put it on your on your. Uh, yeah, I had it on my phone because I usually when I go to it, it'll yeah. I'll uh, I gotta check that out. It'll come up. What it'll do is it'll. Uh, uh, you don't have to look at it now. No, I was just uh, there was because I was at, just at the store yesterday and I wanted to look at something, 
and I you go here and see it has everything that I and it saves everything that you yeah it saves up. everything too yeah yeah that's good you know and uh, what I what my my like Arnold's bread oh man you like Arnold's bread I love Arnold's bread oh yeah can yeah. you just eat a piece of bread without you know just With butter and bread it. yeah just eat it just right? eat it just yeah eat me it. too it's the best and it's the worst for you it's so bad I I want to get into you a little bit now but okay. before I do I have one more other question before because when you okay. you mentioned it what was the name of your bar. Oh, it was called uh, King's Kitchen, uh, Part Seven. King's Kitchen, Kitchen Part, Part seven. seven. And where was it? And 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 Miss Louise's Southern Food. It's a and, long name. Yeah, well, that's it, a long name. It had. It was. It was in on on the sign. It was in different. Who's sections. Miss Louise? That was my grandmother. Aha. Uh-huh. Because when I was a little boy, I always said I was going to. Opened her a restaurant, and I did. So let, let's talk a little bit about because you've been talking about your grandmother. I love my grandmother. You haven't talked about your mother. And you haven't my talk- mom, my mom, beautiful. They're all gone. What yeah. about your father? My dad's gone too. How was your childhood, and where did you grow up? I grew up in the Bronx, um, raised around the world, <laughs> and I, you know, I wasn't an army brat or anything like that. But it was music that took me around the world. But when you say, so you're in the Bronx, what, what, give me uh, your teenage life. What year are we looking okay, at? Okay, so in the Bronx, we're looking at, oh, uh, PS99. Uh, I was in the Marcinia section of the Bronx. And what uh, year was this around? This was 1958. Well, actually, uh, before that, I guess. Uh, because we were in Harlem for a little while, and then my dad, or well, my mom, and my grandmother, we moved from the Bronx, for, from Manhattan, 140, 148th Street. We moved up to, we went to the Bronx, my grandfather, 1219 Union Avenue, and uh, that was between 168 and 169th Street. And so I would say that was around 1954, 55. How was it? How was it growing up in the Bronx? How well, was that for you? It it was cool. In fact, I was just talking. I was talking not long ago. Uh, Jimmy Merchant, the teenagers. So they had an after school program, and I used to sneak from the house. Or after the after school program, I would stay longer. Or I would leave and then go back. Well, the teenagers, Frankie Lyman and teenagers, they used to rehearse in my school in PS 99. So that's how long I've known the teenagers. And yet I wasn't old enough to really go out and sing. But yeah. were you, when you were watching them, were you sitting there saying, oh, this is something, this, this is, is, this is my right. thing right oh, yeah. here? Definitely, definitely. Uh, and it, it, uh, not only with them, I mean, there were a couple other groups, the same thing happened. But, and as years went by, I ended up either being a part of that or like with Frankie Lyman and Teenagers, I ended up being, uh, taking the place of Timothy Wilson uh, uh, as one of the teenagers. Uh, and Herman, Sa- that was Herman Santiago's Can you pull up the teenagers? So, so, I, so let, me, let me ask you this, because I can't sing. And I and I wish I could. Everybody who can't sing wants, uh, to, you know, wishes they can. And oh yeah, that's like that's got to be such a thrill to sing in front of all these people. Oh yeah. But there's a time in your life, right, that 
you're practicing singing by yourself. You're like, oh, I love this. Maybe you're right, in your room. Right, you're right, in the shower. Right, right, you're right. walking to school. Right, right. But there's a time that you just put them whatever. Don't matter. If you don't oh, want okay. another one, give it to Eric. No, you drop it right I'm on good. the floor. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm so good. there's a time that somebody else says, wait a second. Man, Terry King could sing. He's got some chops, right? He's got he's got some he, he's able to do it. Do you remember that time that someone else or when you first were able to, you know, when you wanted to show the world or who, it's somebody else that you can sing. Do you remember that time and somebody said, "Wow, that was unbelievable." I think when I got older, one of one of the people that was a part of my life was Sydney Barnes. Uh, Sydney Barnes. There's the teenagers. Right. There's the teenagers. That's Frankie Lyman. Uh, Jimmy Merchant is on the left. And Herman Santiago is right next to him. But uh, these three guys, well, the two guys, well, Herman and, and um, uh, Jimmy Merchant, um, till this day, we're still friends. And... Uh, Last time I worked with Herman, I guess, was before the pandemic, you know. Uh, but go back to go back to the question that I was asking you, though. When did you first oh, talking so, about? Yeah, so Sidney Barnes, and you might want to pull him up, too. So, uh, Sidney Barnes was like my father, my uncle, uh, and he's getting ready to do something now, too, again. Uh, we talked about it, but he was a very instrumental in my life. Um, in fact, we were on, um, I used to watch his daughter. Uh, I was like a babysitter, <laughs> you know. But uh, with him, working with him, uh, we would we moved from New York to Chicago and working for Chess Records, uh, Leonard Chess. And that's it, that, that's, that's the man. He was Rotary Connection. They were the first group, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, patternized themselves after him. Um, they, uh, Sid was very instrumental in my life. When you were when you were first starting out, though, maybe I maybe I'm not saying the question right. Okay, so I'm going so, to really dig it in here. All right. When did you perform? Was it at a high school talent show? Was oh, it yeah. was, uh, like where was your first performance that someone people oh, some wow. people and you really said to yourself, "Wow, I guess I can sing." Well, what I think I can do, other people are actually liking it. You know, it's funny you say that because now that I sit back and I think about it, I don't remember. It, <laughs> I, it's like that's I wish I automatically I, I automatically it's like I've been singing all my life, and it wasn't like, so who knew Terry King can sing? It was like, it was because of the people that I was around. Uh, my playmates were older than me, but they were in the music industry already. So, and then my dad was a gospel singer, you know, um, so you have singing in your whole yeah, entire family. You're yeah, always around yeah. it. Um, I, I had an a, a aunt, Adele Roach. She sang with Paul Robinson, uh, when they, Porgy and Bess. You know, uh, John B. Williams, he's a bass player. He was on Arsenio Hall. Uh, 
so I mean, uh, dang, I can go on. The list is very long. So, 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 take me through a little bit of your journey here. So, you're going back and forth. You're moving all over the country. Yes. Right. Yes. And this is now. Let's. I guess we're in the '60s, maybe. Right. Who, yeah. who are you listening to? What's the you know, what's the temptations? Group? Temptations. Uh, and I was with them for a short spell. Um, but I, was was there somebody that you used to try to you know emulate yourself from? Like you uh, sit- there were there were two. Uh, there was uh, Freddie Scott, Hey Girl, and Jerry Butler. So those were my and David Ruffin, of course, uh, Dennis Edwards, of course. Uh, these were my guys that I patternized myself after uh, and other than my dad you know because uh, they had that real you know right out the church you know what I mean they had uh, that voice oh yeah you had to have and there's, there's only a few people you know that have that, that style of voice and even today it's, it's rare to find uh, anybody with that style and that tone you know uh, yeah, yes, yes, Freddie, yes, Scott. Freddie Scott. Higgins. In fact, I'm um, um, John Martelli. They were partners. In fact, he does uh, work for me now. Uh, in fact, uh, he asked me to redo "Hey Girl." And how I does that did. how does that song go? Can you sing that? Hey a bit? girl, I want you to know I'm gonna miss you so much. If you go, it's a, it's a hot song. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, love yeah. that song. And um, and then with Jerry Butler, it was your precious love. You know, your precious love means more to me. You know, stuff like that, man. Tell me about the times back then, because you know, even when you when I hear you sing that, right? Yeah. It's just nothing you. You have no choice but to smile when you listen to that type of music and gets you in a good mood. Oh, yeah, it does. Right? So talk to me about those times. How was living and, and chasing your dreams, singing, growing up in the 60s? You had the Temptations. You had the Drifters. You had all these people, yeah. all these things that yeah. you that you were trying to emulate from. You know, Give us a little bit of those days of just waking up and, and living through it. So, you know, each each day for me was different. Uh, I never knew what I was going to end up doing that day, whether it was to sit in the studio or uh, uh, writing or producing or going down to Harlequin Studios, uh, which they always had a piano back then uh, in the 60s. I think it was like 50 cents an hour or something like that. Uh, to rent the studio To space. rent the studio. It's like, yeah, <laughs> 50 cents. Uh, you get an hour with a piano in a small little tiny room, maybe, yeah, maybe this size. You know what I mean? Uh, but uh, and a lot of stealing was going on back then too, because you used to have people sit with the recorder, and those rooms weren't soundproof, so somebody would stick that mic up under the door, and. Next thing you know, the next day your song was out there on, you know, on the radio. On the radio, you know. What <laughs> oh, I mean? that must be the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> well, uh, for many, it's happened. I can't go into who, but you know, because I've always promised to myself. In fact, uh, and there's some books right now that they were telling me that. And I, uh, yesterday, I saw, uh, I was driving back from Atlantic City, and uh, I saw Gabe, who is now uh, uh, going to be taking. Um, 
Billy's place that he just passed. Gabe, you're saying these names. Uh, yeah, I don't know Gabe, who you're talking uh, about. Gabe, he's one of the tokens now. Um, Jay uh, Siegel's uh, tokens. Tokens the is the group. The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Um, that's the group. Okay. Uh, the Lion Sleeps Tonight. That's a good song, too. Oh, yeah. That's a good song. I, I can't hit that note. but <laughs> You know, I want to ask you that real quick. So, you know, in sports... If you're on a football team, you're on the baseball team, you kind of know where you're at, right? You kind of right. know, hey, I'm third-string quarterback. That's first-string quarterback. Right. That's what first-string right. quarterback right. looks right. like and, and right. how they play. Right. And I got to right. practice and I got to look at, and I have to study right. because I want one day right. to be first. I want to be first-string. In the music, is that something similar to that? Like you, you go there. You know where these people are at, and you sit there and say, "I want to get to that point." Well, you know, you know your 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 voice. Uh, like with me, I'm a baritone, I'm a second tenor, first tenor, and I can do occasionally f uh, falsetto. Uh, bass, I cannot do. You know, uh, if I do bass, it's a low baritone note, and uh, and I'm comfortable. Those are my comfort zones. But bass doesn't get the bass doesn't get the ladies. Oh well, you know, bass. You know, you, you got a couple of seconds in there. You see a couple of you know. Well, yeah, uh, but you know, it, it's like with White Christmas or you know, you know that real yeah. And, and, and with me to get that note, yeah. I would have to eat the mic for sure. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? And yeah. you know, and just to get that low, you know what I mean? Uh, Saying that I can do it, but I can't do it. Not a true bass, you know, a true bass sound. Uh, and what's the Melvin lead? Franklin, Ellsbury Hobbs, you know, these are gentlemen um, uh, that had that bass quality. You know, Joe Herdern, who also sang with The Temptations, uh, he sang with me too. All right, we're going to take a quick break in the action here. Got to pay some bills. Today's show is sponsored by MyPillow.com. Make sure you go over to MyPillow.com and use the promo code TJCS. Why is that? You get up to 66% off everything in your cart. So whether it's the Giza sheets, the pillows, the slippers, the blankets, you name it. Go over to MyPillow.com. You punch in promo code TJCS. And you get up to 66% off your entire cart. Also, today's show is sponsored by the illiteratemillionaire.com. And that, of course, that course has been given to you by Brian Karp. Brian Karp is the real estate giant here on Long Island. The course is targeted for entrepreneurs, real estate brokers, just brokers in general, anyone basically who wants to raise the temperature of their sales game. What's involved in this course? Well, Brian pulls back the curtain on his real estate business and how he started off selling three houses to friends and family, and now he's selling over 200 houses a year. Just in 2021, this man sold over 260 houses. Do the math. We live here on Long Island. Each house, the average house is around 500,000. He sold over 260. Again, you have to go to illiteratemillionaire.com, and here's the best part. You use our promo code. TJCS and you instantly save $500 from the course. How did you get involved with either, the, which one was first? Did you get involved with the Temptations first or did you get involved with the Drifters well, first? Well, the Temps first. Okay, uh, so how did you, so explain that. So you're you're out doing your thing. Well, that, and then that, and like it, it, some availability comes up or somebody says to you, hey, listen, we have an opening. How does that work well, out? Well, that, how that worked out was I was, um, 
working on stage with I was who was I working with? I was working with at one point I was working with the Dells as a roadie. And then somehow or another I ended up <laughs> with the Temptations. Well me and Dennis were friends. And just before when he came out to contours, he went to the Temps. So this is like around nineteen sixty eight. I I have to tell you, I didn't I never knew until really talking to you and doing some background with you that people would mix and match so much. Oh yeah. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like you're oh, on yeah. the Temptations for a little bit. Now you're on the Drifters, you're on yeah. the you know the Monkeys yeah. Yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. I had no idea about that. Well, you know, yeah, that was going on, but see, there were permanent situations where you would be with a, a group. I was with a, a a group that well, actually I was like uh, on the sidelines. So if somebody got sick, you know, I would be the guy that would go in and fill in that spot. The understudy. The, exactly. Yes. Uh, if you will. The and uh, Then if there was a spot, like in Paul Williams, that was one of the spots because my voice was a straight match for him. You know what I mean? And uh, so if that spot came available, I would have been there doing it. However, down the line, as time went on, uh, I would end up being with Eddie Kendricks, Dennis Edwards, David Ruffin. The year that they were working together, I was... And this is The Temptations. Yeah, this is The Temptations. But this is not with Otis. This is just Eddie, David, and Dennis. Maybe Damon Harris. Damon Harris took Eddie Kendricks' place. Uh, Glenn Leonard took Damon's place. So, uh, and they they were there for for years, you know, uh, well, like with Damon, he didn't start until 1971, somewhere around that time, 71, 72. Uh, And then as time goes, went on, uh, that's when I ended up, I guess I would say like mid-70s, I ended up with the Drifters. Because Charlie took me on board. I've already known the group, and, you know, knew the music, and they hired me. So from how, how, so 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 tell me about that, right? So you have say, let's just say the Temptations. You have the Temptations, and Carol King wrote a lot of that music, right? Oh yeah, she oh, wrote yeah. it. Did you oh, ever yeah. meet Carol King? I met her once. Yeah, how, I met her once. How was she in, in person? She's a beautiful person. Yeah, she's I, a beautiful person. I saw the play, a Carol King story oh, yeah. on Broadway. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, she's always looked at herself as a writer, never a performer, you know. Uh, but she's written some, you know, uh, beautiful songs. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't had no idea that she yeah. was. She wrote for the Temptations. Well, no, she didn't write for them. She she wrote uh, basically. Uh, drifter stuff. Drifters, drifters. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah drifters. Yeah. She, she, and you know, all of a sudden, you start learning that while you're watching the play. Oh and yeah. It's like wow, I had I had no oh, idea yeah. about oh, yeah. that. Well, she did a lot of stuff like uh, with Aretha Franklin. You know, um, there were songs that some uh, songs that I even forgot about. You know, that Carl King wrote, uh, Lieber and Stola. They wrote a lot of stuff. 
you know, uh, in fact, they were one of the ones that brought in like with the strings and the the the, the horns and the layers of, and a lot of people never realized like with uh, uh, the background vocals, they uh, temps, or well, not the temps, but the drifters, used a lot of female singers uh, for background. They were called Sweet Inspiration. So it's like now I have what they call the uh, the driftettes, which are two of my granddaughters <laughs> and one of my nieces. Okay, well, because I was going to ask you something different here. Two of your granddaughters and one of your nieces, but yeah. what about when you were younger and you didn't have granddaughters or anything like oh, that? When I, were you guys, was the drifters and the driftettes, you no, know, would they there was, there hang out at night? There were never no driftettes. Until I came up with the idea. Oh, look at you! you know. Okay, but well, let, let, let's put that on the rocks for a second, though. Yeah. Talk to me about being on the Drifters, right? You go on tour with them. You do a couple of, you know, you do shows done, with them. I've done hundreds and hundreds of shows around the world. Tell me about the road life. Tell me about that type of thing, because for people like myself that could only dream of touring and singing in front of you know large audiences, living out of a suitcase. That was it i mean you went from city to city town to town uh an occasional at one time it was all like uh just driving you know uh you drove from gig to gig the itinerary was so long you know did it get to the point you know when you first start doing it right you're like i can't wait for this this is going to be the best and then all of a sudden as time goes on, you j it just starts feeling like living out of a suitcase and it's like a job now instead of, oh wow, I got all these people coming up to me. They want my autograph. I have, I'm have i performing in front of all these people. Like, the novelty wears off. Well, you know, to me, I never looked at it as a job because if it was a job, you know, then I didn't want to do it. Because you're, you're doing what you love. I'm, exactly, you know, so doing what you love and you go out there and the audience is uh, uh, you know that's what keeps you going you know what I mean you go out there on stage and you see all the smiling faces and and they're going back into their life you know what I'm saying so you're giving them something you're you're uh, all the songs that they remember that you know you've done you know what I mean? Did you ever did you ever sit there while you were on stage and you're in you know looking at the audience and you see like see a female that's real pretty and you and you pay a little bit more attention to her than most? Does that ever happen as a singer? Well, I, I guess it does. Or sometimes <laughs> 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 I know it would for me if I could sing. You know, I mean, yeah. Well, you know, uh, uh, it's like comedians would always say. You know, I wish I was a singer. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of being a comedian, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but I guess uh, being, you know, uh, I mean, I've sang all my life. You know what I mean? And uh, with the Drifters, that that's almost fifty years with them. So, did you <laughs> talk to me about? Because you know, I want to see if I can get this out of you. What I'm interested in is the females that you're getting from being on the Drifters. Give me. You have any stories for me on how these females would wow. act and respond to you, or was it something that wasn't like that in your time? It, well, you know, for me, I was always. I, I guess. I went to the hotel room by myself. I'd get my milk, 
in my cookies. <laughs> peanut butter and jelly. Oh, if, if it was if it was available, you know what I mean. Uh, and I I wasn't that type of person. I like. I met my wife, uh, what, 40, 43 years ago, you know, I mean. But you did still have, you said 50 years before you were in the game, so you did have a good seven-year run. Well, you know, I mean, but even then, you know, it wasn't, it was all about the music for me. You know what I mean? If I could, like I said, if I could make somebody happy, you know what I'm saying? And the females, I never, I guess, really say, that's not what I was out there for. I was out there to perform. It's a good know? way, you know, that's that's the responsible and a good way of doing it. Some people who go out there and they get caught up in this whole other part aspect well, yeah. of being an entertainer. Whether it's meeting girls and spending all night with them and not really rehearsing, doing drugs, well, become and, an alcoholic. Well, and that's that and and saying that, like that's something that I didn't do because I wasn't a drinker. Uh, I was going to tell you before. I mean, even uh, we we were doing a uh, um, they wanted to do a celebration at the hotel after the show, and uh, Dick Clark had champagne. Again, I don't drink, you know, uh, and I had a little sip of beer, and that was funny. Uh, so they were passing out the champagne. They handed me a glass, and I sipped it. And I flew to the bathroom, to my room. I was sick as a dog. Just from the little bit of champagne? Just, just from the champagne. I that's got it. sick. I got sick. So that's why I said I, never, I was never really a drinker, drinker. But then, you know, there was a point in my life where I did, I, I was drinking, but didn't know I was drinking. I'd never get drunk. So I could drink, and, and it was vodka. You know what I'm saying? And we have some special vodka right no, there. It's Dan no, Aykroyd's no. vodka. I, I used to do the Absolute, man. And and it's funny, Absolute didn't come out until, I, I forgot what year it came out, but that was... That was your go-to? That was my go-to. That was go-to for me when I was like 18, 19. It was well, Absolute. If you had any, if, if you didn't have Absolute, you can have a hangover. That's what we used to always say to we, you know, well, ourselves. Well, you know, I, you know, I never really... I, again, I wasn't a drinker. So nobody, if I did drink, and then when I had my bar, you know, I would keep, you know, like if people that would come, customers that would come in or friends of mine, I would say, hey, give them a drink on me. So they would go in the closet and pull out, you know, the bottle for that person or this person or whatever, who, whoever it may be that came to visit me or whatever. And I would say, you know, give them a drink on me, you know, so. How about, you know, so you're touring with them you're not a part of the original band, right? You're not a part of, part of the original group, but you, you are, you know, as time's going on, people, like you said, some people are leaving and they're replacing new well, people. I became uh, an original member of the group, uh, actually, in 1978. Original. Original. But, but I'm saying they originally started in the uh, 50s, right? 58. 58. 58. Yeah. So was the, it lucrative? Did you, were you making a lot of money at the time doing that? Not really. No. You know, uh, we, uh, the, the, be, because we were getting a lot of work, uh, at least I was working like five days a week, you know, pretty much. Well, you know, you got to look at it this way, too. So if you're able to at least support yourself and your family, you're oh, not yeah. killing it. Right. But you're doing what you love. 
Right. That's a bonus. Right. It Instead is. Instead of because you got some people out there working in factories, doing what they hate, working five days a week, and right. they can't stand their job, right. and they're not making a right. lot of money. And, but like with, 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 with the drifters, you know, I was doing um, David Letterman when he was daytime. Uh, How does that feel? You know you're about to do David Letterman. So you hear David, you see David Letterman yeah. all your life, and you know that, that he's... He's a big, you know, star, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. a big deal for someone to perform on the Letterman show. Talk to me about before that happened, like the couple of days prior to. What was your mindset? Were you excited? Were you nervous? How was that? Did you have anxiety because you knew how many people were going to be watching, and you know his reputation? Well, look at it this way, Joe. Uh, your show started at two o'clock. We had to be there at three o'clock in the morning. To prepare, so you know I was tired, you know. Uh, we just came off the road, and I went home, caught a nap, and I had to be down at NBC. Uh, I think it was like you had to be there like at five o'clock or something like that, in the AM, and then uh, it didn't air until like nine o'clock. So you was preparing uh, for that show. Early, but I, I don't and, and don't take this the wrong way. Only because I'm, I'm saying it because I'm not a singer and I don't know. So you're gonna you're gonna actually, you know, teach me about this. But when you say you know, I was tired. I came in at three a.m. But you, you're singing. You're yeah. gonna get up. You're gonna sing yeah. a song. And you're yeah. gonna go back to bed. It's not like you're gonna you're checking in. You're gonna you know lift heavy cement for five hours after you just got in at three o'clock in the morning. Or am I wrong? Does it take a toll? Like, does it? Does your performance really change because you're coming in at three o'clock in it, the morning? It, it it does, but you can't let the audience know that. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, you know, you're tired, you know, and you got to go out there, you know, with a smile. I remember one show I did. I had one of the worst toothaches in the world. Uh, in fact, Joyce Savalas was the MC for that show. It was a tour we were doing. And it was, I think it was the Shirelles one that showed, the Marvelettes, uh, Drifters, Coasters. Uh, it was a bunch, you know, it was just one big, they had like maybe eight, nine, ten groups going out um, uh, out on that tour. Uh, uh, Loretta Long from Sesame Street. Uh, they had... Uh, just so that people, because people are going to see you keep doing your eye. What what is it with your eye there? You no, you got something? You think I, you got something caught in your eye yeah, before you got here, or you I had it? No, I, I something got in my eye when I woke up this morning, and I I put some drops in it, and at first it was felt like it was working, and now it's starting to get like I don't know. It, it's something's I'm, going on. Something's going something's on. Something's in your eye. eye. Yeah, and I'm trying to get it out, and it's it's like what it won't. What what kind of car do you drive? What what's your drive? If you oh, you know, what do you love? The car I have now is I have a I call a Ruby Pearl. It's a Mercedes. Mercedes. Yeah. Look at you. Uh, I love the car. Convertible. I was gonna say I I you know just on your attire and everything. If I had a guess, I was going to say Cadillac. But no. You're not a caddy. I, I love Cadillac. Cadillac's one of my yeah, favorite cars. Well, well, I did way back. People used to ask me to say, "Man, I remember when you used to drive Cadillacs." You know what I'm saying? Now, what I tell people, uh, if you see me in a Cadillac, it's going to be my long last ride. Yeah. 
<laughs> Speaking of which, I asked a lot of people this who sit in that chair right there. Uh, if there is one more song that could be played before you go and see Jesus, God, right? You believe in God? Of course. Okay. Of course. I know there's a, I know that there is a power greater than my own. Okay. Yeah, and I agree with you. What song would you want being played? Oh, Just wow. that one last song. What is it? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Father, help me. I got so many. But do you know what song? Not song that you would sing, obviously. Something that somebody else sings that you just to love. To sing, oh, not that you're gonna sing. Just being played in the background. Just be playing in the background. Wow, I've never been asked that question before. Beastie Boys? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he said, oh no. "Oh no!" He said, "No, no, no. not the Beastie Boys." No, no, Drake? No, 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 uh, no. <laughs> no, no. Uh, it would have to. I guess it would have to be. Uh, uh, there was a song I was listening to, uh, and 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 it wasn't necessarily a uh, spiritual. Uh, uh, and there's a lot of songs that get to me from time to time that, that are so good that you want to listen to. You still married? Uh, yeah. yeah. You are? You yeah. still married to the same same lady? Well, I was in my life. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah, here we was, go. Uh, I knew there was a door that I wanted that, to open. Yeah, well, yeah, that door was, uh, well, we were together. Uh, there was a, uh, I was married before that. Marriage. How many times you've been married? Three. Three times. Yeah. Three times a lady. Three times a lady. So after the first one, right? Yeah. Did you sit there and say I'm never getting married again? Well, I never thought about it that way. What about after the second time? Did you say, listen, I got married one time before. I did it all over again. Second time, it didn't work out. I'm the marriage thing is just not in the cards. Or did you say? They just weren't the one. I just wanted the one. That was it. You just wanted to, to find. You wanted yeah, you, yeah. to be in my life, and that shared the same dreams that I had. You what, know? And what is that? What? what what's, give me a, a my music. Your music. My music. That you know, uh, doing what I love to do. You know, and because of what has happened with the pandemic, you know, it shut me down for two years, and. I wasn't able to go to work. I, you know, couldn't I, perform. No, couldn't do anything. Nothing. I shot my video uh, in November of uh, 2019, and it cost me a lot of money. You know, I went into my savings because I wanted to, you know, start doing the show again. So that's when I started developing my drifts, and uh, I said, okay, it's going to be Terry King's Drifters Review featuring the Drifters, but now I have Charlie Thomas's son who's performing with me now, so I feature him. And so now we're going to go out, and because his dad is now, he's not going to be able to come back and sing anymore. So that's, he's the last original Drifter left from 1958. A lot of people say, okay, well, you got to go back to uh, a time of uh, Clyde McFadder, but they weren't in the same 
set of drifters. So it was that drifters was the dominoes with Jackie Wilson and all of that. So after that, you know, you're talking about 1958, 59, uh, Charlie Thomas, Elsberry Hobbs, Benny King, Doc Green, Johnny Moore, who at one point was the Five Crowns. Then George Treadwell at the Apollo fired the other group, but it wasn't. Uh, Clyde McFadder. Did you did you did you perform at the? I would assume that you did at the Apollo. Yes, I have. Explain that experience as in comparison to say on David Letterman. Well, Being that so at the Apollo, because the Apollo, right? And correct me if I'm wrong. That's like the mecca. It is for black culture. Correct. Right. It is. That's the ultimate. That's the ultimate. Right. So talk to me about that when you first were going to perform at the Apollo. How was that experience for you? That is the, I mean, the ultimate, you know, to be able to perform there. So when did you get, so t talk to me, how did you find out? Like, what were you doing? What, where, where, where were you or what time frame was this when you got the call and said, hey, Terry, you better be ready. We're going to be performing at the Apollo. Okay. So at one point, <laughs> I was, I was with the Drifters and... I was working, and we were actually, we were, this is right before David Ruffin had passed. Uh, we were, I was with Dick Clark at Dorney Park. At Dorney Park in Pennsylvania? In Pennsylvania. And. Slip and slide with Dick Clark? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we, uh, we were there, and. We get, I get a, uh, he gets a call that David Ruffin had passed. And so I was like, wow, you know, it blew my mind. He's like my big brother, you know. And at this point, I'm still with the Drifters. So Eddie Kendricks called me and said, look, you know, are you coming to the funeral? Blah, 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 blah. I said, yes, I'm going to. I'll be there after I finish what I'm doing with the Drifters. So I had to, my last performance was like with them was like uh, I guess so that was June of 91 so a year later we're going to the Apollo Theater uh, but I'm with Eddie. But how did you get, so, so give me the, the phone call. Who called you and said, we're going to, we're, you're going to perform at the Apollo? That was Eddie Kendricks. Eddie Kendricks Eddie calls called. you up and says, well, give me that, like, how does that conversation flow? He, he says, <laughs> he said, well, at, you know, you're coming to the funeral and stuff like that. So I said, yeah. And he said, well, I'm going to be calling you later on, you know, because they took off for a while there were some dates that they canceled uh, because of David um, and what ended up happening was A called and said there was a couple other dates we did it was in Washington D.C. and stuff like that so I, was, I wasn't working with the Drifters and then Eddie said we're going to do the Apollo and I didn't even know it was on the itinerary to do the Apollo. So he said, 
well, we're doing the Apollo. Uh, we're going to, the uniforms we're going to be wearing, uh, I had to be fitted, fitted for David Ruffin's spot. So, ironically, I could fit except a couple of inches, you know. Right in the right in the attire. Yeah, and so we hit the Apollo. Uh, was it the first of June or June second? I can't remember exactly, but I know it was June because it was in the early nineties. Yeah, it was ninety two. Nineteen ninety two. Right. So because he died in ninety one, ninety two, we were at the Apollo, and. I had no idea that Charlie Thomas, Drifters, was on the same show until we were coming downstairs out of the dressing room and Charlie was coming upstairs just got performed. performing. And he turns to the other guys and he says, I told y'all Terry King was one of the temptations. <laughs> <laughs> how was the how was performing there? Like, you know, when you set up and, and you're about to go on or the lights come on or the curtain comes up, how's that feeling? Well, that is I mean, that is the ultimate feeling at the Apollo Theater. To see those faces and you're there and you get those goosebumps. What was the song? What's the song? Just My Imagination. Just, the ima- just My Imagination? Yeah, because Eddie had gone out into the audience and uh, as he was singing, because he wasn't really feeling that well either that day. But uh, the audience and him reaching out to the people, and when he came back up on the stage, he passed Dennis and went around me to come back to the center of the stage and you could just look at the audience. They were like they were gravitating to every move, everything that we were doing, and the people. I mean, wow! Did it go like this? It did. Yeah, it did. Right? You I'm know, sure it, it did. It 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 seemed like it was a what forty minutes show. It felt like five. You know, five we, minutes. Yeah, we just were, like we that. Were, yeah, we were there. You know, and. Uh, but it was a great show. I, I could imagine. But, you it was know, a bef- great show. before before I let you go here, I have another question. I just want you to give me the comparison to the music in the '50s, '60s, '70s when you were really grinding it out and you were really in the thick of things. To how it is now with all of these auto tune and how they use they don't even use you know percussion instruments or the you know the real instruments that they would do the saxophone, the trumpet, the trombone, or anything like that, and they're everything is now. Electronic, so to speak. It is. Uh, how does that? How, give me that. Like when you, someone that comes from the old school of doing things, tell me how it is now. Is it better or is it worse? Well, <laughs> I think it's worse uh, because you don't have that real live feel. It's like when I'm producing now. Uh, well, first, you know, like. I come in with the, the, you know, keyboard and the horn and string arrangements. I have, like, two musical directors I use, uh, uh, Mike Collada, uh, and I use John Martelli. Uh, both great guys, you know, uh, that have worked with me through the years. Um, and then Mike Collada, he has a lot of stuff that he's doing with commercials, with Walmart and all of that stuff. And 
uh, when you have guys like that working with you, and they, we're using all live instruments. There's there's no auto tune. There's you know, you're singing. They get out there and they do their job. You know, and both of them are guitar players. Um, and I've run into a lot of John Henderson, who worked with Luther Vandross. Uh, he's also worked with me, uh, performed. Uh, uh, we had different things that we were doing together. But again, uh, using live instruments is the best. Uh, when you go out and perform, I, I hate doing track dates. Uh, I'd rather for it to be live. It's like the one show that I had this year was in February in White Plains. And because of the uh, what was going on with the rules, and it can only be so many people on stage. And oh, stuff because like of COVID. That. Yeah, because of the COVID thing. And so I had to do tracks. The great part about it was I was able to, uh, Mike Collada and John Martelli, they both had stuff prepared, pre-prepared for me. And um, so I had the tracks and every all the things were, I went through the whole show with them prior. So every, all, everything is laid for me. Not like you go on to, now you can go and pick a song from karaoke and sing it. It's not the same. So for me, that's why I say band in the can. My band was in the can, and I was able to present my show the way I would actually do it live. Yeah, I understand. So, and people, you know, like, we're looking around for the band. That's how good my... Band was. Was. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, and... For us, the vocalists, we're out there and we're able to perform. So it was great for that. You know what I'm saying? But you prefer having it live and I having it with the band it, there right. and the real instruments because right. you get that feel. Uh, one more thing. Any regrets? Looking back, here we are, 2022. Started your performing in the 50s, late 50s, in the 60s. Well, you know, All the stuff that you've been through. Any regrets? The regret is... I haven't, so I'll put it this way. Somebody asked me, you know, what was the, the, the greatest moment in my life? Uh, what was the greatest song I've ever done? I always say it hasn't come yet. It, I, I haven't done that yet. I, it, it, you know, uh, so when you say regrets, I'm regretting not having the number one song that I wanted. You know what I mean? Uh, and again, I haven't done it yet, which I'm doing now. Uh, and what's doing that for me is because Charlie Thomas is not able to sing anymore, but I have his son. And we're going out there and we're getting ready to perform. We're getting ready to do a bunch of stuff together now. Give me something so that people would know, like, you know, if they want to come and see you perform. What, give me some of the dates or some performances well, I, that right you're doing. Now, right now, I don't have any dates, but you could always, you know, go to my uh, uh, Facebook page. Right now, I have a, a web page being developed right now. So, Terry King on Facebook, right? You're on Twitter, too, right? Uh, I'm on, I think I am. I think my son put me on Twitter. Uh, I know I'm on, uh, what's that, uh, the thing uh, they got? Uh, TikTok. Instagram. Instagram. Well, I'm putting things out, like, through Facebook, 
So you could definitely find me on Facebook. Uh, but uh, you know, you go to uh, Terry King S R S O L O at twc.com. So if you go there, you know, uh, or you know, send me, you know, if you want me to book me or anything like that, you can go through there. Um, but you could, you know, like again, uh, through this Facebook thing, you'll be able to see stuff that I'm doing and. Uh, you'll see little clips of things that I'm working well, on. Well, I, I well, I, I loved having you on. I, I want to see you perform. So if you can stay in touch with me, and, well, and let me most, and my my girlfriend and myself would love to come see you perform. I most certainly will. Absolutely, because I'm know. a big Temptation, big Drifters. I love that type of music. To me, there is nothing like it. Nothing like that type of music at that time in that era. Well, I'm still going to be doing a bunch of things that are coming up I, like I said I'm in the studio now working on a few projects and it's going to come alive again Yo, uh, listen Terry King thank you so much my man I got all those tears now on my on my hand yeah well <laughs> I don't care about Just it. Just be glad that I don't have COVID. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, I hear you. All right, listen, we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you so much, everyone, for watching Thank this you, episode. Joe. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. Yeah, Terry King. And you're welcome back anytime. I'll be back. All right, you got it. We're out. Peace. Hey, this is Crazy Robin. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show.